0: Thank you.) <laughs> Thank you, Jason, and good morning. Good, morning. good morning. Did you notice how he started out by saying he needs no introduction? <laughs> and then went on with that wonderful introduction, which I wrote myself. <laughs> Actually, after an introduction like that. I always think that if the angel Gabriel got up to preach, it would be an anticlimax, but I'll, I will do my best. But not, not too long ago, I was invited to speak to a group of seniors down at Elmbrook Church, and uh, one of the uh, seniors, a lady called Shirley, was given the job uh, to introduce me. And she saw the irony of this situation, I'd, I'd been there in that church over 40 years at that particular time, but she was to introduce me. So she made her way rather painfully up to the uh, podium, and then she adjusted the microphone, and then she said, I'll speak it today. Stuart Briscoe needs no introduction." so he's not going to get one. (laughs) I want to talk to you today about 2020. That of course is the decade in which we now find ourselves. But when we talk about 2020, we're not usually talking about what year we're living in, what are we usually talking about? Well, we're usually talking about eyesight, aren't we? 20/20 vision. Uh, I had uh, cataract surgery recently, and uh, when when I was uh, after I'd had the cataract surgery, uh, I was bumping into people everywhere who who were who'd had cataract surgery. You know how it is if if you get something wrong with you. That you never thought of before and then all of a sudden you find the world is full of people who got the same thing that they that you're struggling with. Well that happened as far as the cataract was concerned and I heard all kinds of cataract stories and I, I heard one, one, one rather sad story about a lady who had uh, cataract surgery and she was absolutely ecstatic with the results it was so exciting. She was going around telling everybody. She said it's been so wonderful. She said I'm seeing things uh, that I'd no i I'd no idea they were there. It, like a whole new world has opened up. She, she said and even the things I'm familiar with, the colors are so deep and so rich and it's it's just a it's, it's just a beautiful beautiful world. I've got 20 20 vision again and that night as she was taking off her her makeup or whatever it is that ladies do at night and looking carefully in the mirror, she suddenly stopped and she rushed out and she picked up the phone and dialed the doctor to see if he could reverse the problem. (laughs) 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 Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I just think. I, I just think that's funny. So, <laughs> so the we, we, the two ways of looking at twenty twenty, and and then I thought of the uh, I, I thought there's two ways of looking at twenty twenty vision as well. Of, of, obviously, there's the technical way that I just gave you a joke about, but. Uh, but this this year of 2020, I, I wonder what kind of a vision we we are approaching this this uh, this decade, this this, world, this year. The, it seems to be starting out with with a lot of strife, uh, a lot of antagonism. Uh, deep divisions in the the culture of America to which we belong. I I, I wonder, I wonder what kind of a vision you have for the year. Uh, are you hopeful? Are you concerned? Are you depressed about it, or are you optimistic about it? We're not going to get into, into, into politics, but what, what, what are you thinking about come November? What, what, what are you thinking about what, what is developing with the primaries going on so, so far? As you're looking into the future as much as you're able to, well, what is your 2020 vision for 2020? Well, of course, uh, we, we could have an interesting discussion on that, looking at all the different factors, the reasons for hope or the reason for a little hope, etc. but we, we, we're not here just to think at that level although that's where we live. We're, we're, here, we're here to think at a different level. We're, we're here to think about what is going on here on Earth from a heavenly perspective. I remember many, many years ago when we lived in Europe. Uh, by the way, Jason didn't explain that we're, we're British. That's why we talk funny. But, uh, but that, don't, don't let that upset you at all. Um, when, we lived, when we lived in Europe, we, we were involved in youth ministry And one of the real hardship posts I was given every summer was to take a group of British young people to the Alps of Switzerland. And there we would meet with young people from Germany and Switzerland and Austria, most of German-speaking Europe, and a lot of non-German-speaking Europe. And uh, we would spend a week uh, climbing in in the Alps, and doing Bible study and fellowship and this sort of thing. I'll never forget the night we arrived. we traveled a long, long journey from England, all by uh, ferry and, and train. It was a weary journey. We arrived at midnight, and we arrived at a place called Lauterbrunnen which was a, 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 a deep, uh, a little town in a deep, deep valley. There was a gorge, and there were clay cliffs, Thousands of feet high on both sides, just towering over us. And we got out of the train, stretched our legs, and started to look around. And it, it just looked as if we were in uh, just closed closed in between these cliffs. And then, as we looked above the cliffs, we we could see there was a plateau on one side, and there were lights there, and we realized that was the the town we were going to. Of about 5,000 feet above where we were at that particular time. And then as I, I looked further and it was a brilliant moonlight night, behind that we could see the, the foothills and then behind that we could see the Alps. And there was the Eiger and the Munch and the Jungfrau. These three Alps, Alps covered with snow and ice glistening in the moonlight. And it was a, a breathtaking picture that I never, I never tire of thinking about and trying to describe to people. And it was all inspiring There we were in the bottom of this valley, the Lauterbrunnen and we were looking up and up and up and up and up and up and up and, up, and it was all inspiring When we moved to America, we never went back to Switzerland for a number of years. But when, we, uh, uh, w- w- when uh, I did eventually go, go back to Europe, there was one day when we were flying from Barcelona in Spain to Prague in the Czech Republic. And I brushed up on my geography and I thought we might fly over Switzerland. If so, maybe I could, if it's a nice clear day, maybe I could track and, and see what it looks like from, from the air. And I was looking forward to see my three friends, the Eiger, the Munch, and the Jungfrau. So I, I tracked my way across Europe on that clear morning flight. And, and then I, I realized that where we were, we were at Interlaken. And then I thought, that's, that's wrong. Interlaken should be on the other side of these mountains. And then I realized something else, that actually we were past where these, these Alps were and we'd already flown over them, and I never noticed them. I never noticed them. These Alps that were so overwhelming, so awe-inspiring, when we looked at them from the bottom of the valley, didn't look like much at all from 35,000 feet. It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of the way you look at it. 2020 vision that is, clear vision about the decade we call 2020, beginning with 2020, requires not just that we look at it from the bottom of the valley in which we're living. It requires that we look at it from an entirely different perspective, that we look at it from a heavenly perspective. And that's what we're gonna do this morning for a few minutes. And when I say a few minutes, that's a preacher's. Few minutes, but I know what time I'm supposed to stop, and I'm bearing it carefully in mind, and then I will ignore it. <laughs> so we're going to read the scriptures, and I want you to listen carefully or read along with me if you have your Bible with you. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter one, and uh, I'm going to read this passage. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful passage. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And uh, as we read it, remember that the theme is vision, 2020 vision. And see it, what the connection between 2020 vision and this passage of Scripture. This, the, the passage is really Paul talking about a prayer that he prayed for the Ephesians don't know about you, but but I need help with prayer. One of the best pieces of help that I get in prayer is that when I don't know what to pray, I I turn to Scripture, and I read the prayers of people in Scripture. And I think, well, they're inspired prayers. We know that they're in the the Scriptures. And so I pray those prayers, if that's the best I can do at that time. And I find it very, very helpful. Okay, so... This here's the piece about Paul's prayer, reading from Ephesians chapter one, verse fifteen. For this reason, I since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, have never stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now here, here's his prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Wow, well, that's, 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 that's beautiful. We'd like, I'd like to stay there, actually, but we need to go on. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's the first thing. Secondly, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And thirdly, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, that's a typical piece of writing by the Apostle Paul. It is so full and it is so rich, it's like German uh, Black Forest cake. I don't know. <laughs> you, how many of you like German fo- Black Forest cake? Yeah. But you can't eat much of it, can you? <laughs> you can sort of take a piece and savour it and uh, come back again in a couple of minutes. Uh, that, that's what, it, I always think when I'm reading Impossible, this is like Black Forest cake. Schwarzwald That's that's what they call it over there for some strange reason, okay. So he, let, let's look at this in, in bite sized pieces, okay. Notice that he, he's talking about the prayer, uh, about this particular prayer. He, he gives us the reason that he's praying, you can, you can find that. He tells us precisely who he, he is praying to, that is highly significant, in fact, That is what determines the effectiveness or non-effectiveness of prayer. The the subject of prayer, who who is it you're praying to? You can pray long prayers. Some people seem to think the longer they are, the better they are, but you can pray a very long prayer to a block of wood. and I've seen that happening in many parts of the world. Oh, I've seen people pray with great intensity. I've seen people so intense they're actually cutting themselves with knives and sharp stones as they pray. There, there are all kinds of ways that we can me- try to measure the effectiveness of our prayers, but it's a very simple way of doing it. The, the, the effectiveness of your praying is determined by the ability of the object of your prayer to hear and answer, and the willingness and readiness to do it. That, that's the key. And if that is the true, then the better I know the one I'm praying to, the more likely it's going to be that I'm going to be praying effectively. And so he's very specific here who he is praying to. And then he's very specific about the things that he is praying about. And it starts off with, with thanksgiving. I never stop giving thanks for you. And then the second thing is, and he never stops supporting them in prayer. I never stop remembering you in my prayers. There's so much about prayer here. And I've got off into all this, and none of this is what I'm gonna talk about. But it's, it's, all, it's all here, you see? But then, and this is what I do want to talk about, he talks about the specific things that he's got in mind. And here, here it is. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's what we could all be praying for each other, that he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the end product is we finish up knowing God better. Can't go wrong with that prayer. that's not what I'm going to talk about. Verse 18, I pray also, oh here it is, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. (laughs) And that's where vision comes into it. It took a long time, didn't it? But we're finally there. This, that's what I want to share with you. This idea of looking into the future. This is what we do at the beginning of a new decade, a new year, a new century. Or we, Recently, we had the privilege of starting off in a new millennium. We, we look into it and we wonder what's going to happen. We hope we have a vision. We hope we can see what, what is going to happen. All right, here is something from the Word of God that we can do. It is this. We can now set off on 2020 and pray, God, give me 2020 vision in these specific areas. First of all, that you would open and enlighten the eyes of my heart. That you would open and enlighten the eyes of my heart. Did you know your heart has eyes? Possibly not. Nobody has seen them as far as I know. I have friends who are heart surgeons, cardiologists, and all sorts of things like that. None of them would notice eyes on the heart. So we're not talking literally. The Bible talks a lot about the heart. There are more than 1,000 references to the heart in Scripture. When it talks about the heart, it is not talking in literal terms; it is talking in metaphorical terms. I'll give you an example of this when years ago when we when Jill and I were young well, it's more than years ago, hundreds of years ago when we were when we were young, and we were just starting out in ministry they didn't really want young kids who didn't know much confusing people who went to church, but they, they thought that the people outside the church were confused anyway, so they let us loose among them, and they figured out we couldn't make things much worse than, than they were, and so they called it open-air preaching, and occasionally we, we would do that. We would set up a, a soapbox somewhere, and somebody would get up and start talking, And sometimes we'd get a handful of people listening to us, but occasionally we'd get a bigger crowd, and usually the reason for that was we got a heckler in the crowd. Do you you have hecklers? Do Do you know what I mean by heckler? That's somebody who interrupts somebody who's public speaking. And there was one place we used to go to where they seemed to have a resident heckler there. He was called Cheeky Charlie. He was a little short guy, and he wore, used to be, wear an old-fashioned top hat. And he, he'd, I don't think he had a job. And he, he just heckled anybody who had anything. It didn't, didn't matter what he was. One of our friends was speaking on this occasion, and he was talking about the heart and about Jesus coming into our hearts. And Cheeky Charlie stood there for a few minutes. He said, well, that's a lot of rubbish. I, I never heard such rubbish in my life, and immediately people got interested—not so much in. They thought, "Oh, it's an argument coming here. Let's get in on this," and so the crowd gathers around. And Chicky Charlie now he's got a bit of an audience. He, he said, "The heart's a blood pump. How can Jesus get in your blood pump?" He said, "You you can go to a butcher's shop, and you'll see a heart hanging on a hook." You think Jesus is hanging on a hook in somebody's butcher shop heart? You see, and the people thought this was uproariously funny. And they were having a big laugh about this. And it was a, a great open air meeting. Nothing much was happening. But we're getting a, getting a bit of a crowd. And uh, the, the guy who was on the soapbox at the time, one of our guys, he, he knew what he was doing. And he was working on the principle give them enough rope and they will hang themselves. And so he kept giving him, giving him an open. Charlie waxed more and more eloquent on this ridicule, you see, of the idea of Jesus being in, in the heart. And then the Dick, Dick Case, who was speaking on, a, on, on the subject. He said, Charlie, thank you very much for your insights. You, you've given us some keen insights here. We're all very, very interested in what you had to say. We'd like to know a little bit more about you, Charlie. Charlie, are you, are you married? He said, yes, yes I am. He said, before you got married, did you get engaged? He said, yes, I did. He said, Charlie, before you got engaged, did you spend any, any, any time walking this young lady out? We don't talk about dating in England, we talk about walking, well, they used to talk about walking people out or something. He said, yeah. Now he's getting nervous. This is getting too intimate. He's British, and he doesn't want to get very intimate about these things. And so he goes on a little further, and he said, did you ever take her down by the canal, Charlie? He said, on the towpath down there. And He said, we've all been down there, haven't we? Come on, be honest. He said, yes, yes, I did. He said, there's a no nice seat down there. He said, did you ever sit on that seat on the towpath by the canal in the moonlight and see the moonlight filtering through the leaves on the trees and the, the reflection on the water? And there's a breeze came along and it rippled and it was just beautiful. And you took her into your arms and you looked into the deep, limpid pools of her eyes. And you said to her, "Darling, I love you with all my blood pump." <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie, and the most amazing thing happened. Charlie remembered he had another appointment, and he had to, <laughs> he had to leave. And of course, Dick Case picked up on that. They said, "Charlie's right." The heart is a blood pump. if we are thinking literally, but if we are thinking metaphorically, what is this metaphor conveying? What this metaphor of the heart is conveying this, and I've got to abbreviate this for you. It It is identifying for us that the heart is the inner part of the person that discerns and desires and decides. Have you got that? There'll be a test. Okay. The heart is the inner part of the human being that discerns and desires and decides. Discerns because it's where the mind is situated. Desires because it's where the emotions are situated. Decides because it's where the will is situated. The inner engine that drives the person to be who they are and to do what they do. The heart. Now then, the scripture is saying, presumably, it is possible for the eyes of the heart to get cataracts. Possible for the eyes of the heart to get the stigma? Stigma. What is a stigma? Is is that the right word? Or oh, nobody knows. I should have just said said it with authority, as if I knew. <laughs> okay. You you know you know what I mean. In 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 other words, it, it is it is possible for our discerning and our desiring and our deciding to be faulty, to be less than 20-20 vision. So what do we need? We need corrective surgery. And what is the corrective surgery? Well, in the beautiful language of Paul's prayer, he wants the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened. That means flooded with light, flooded with insight, flooded with light so that we discern things more clearly and desire things more purely and decide things more appropriately. In other words, we begin to live much more closely to that for which we were created and that for which we were redeemed. And Paul is praying this for the Ephesian Christians. Now, when when we, when we have prayer, it, we usually pray, well, I shouldn't say usually, we often pray because of something that's going wrong, because of problems we've got, because of fears we've got, because of illnesses we've got. And this is understanding and perfectly legitimate. But that's, it's not, That's not what Paul's doing here. He is not praying for a group of people where the wheel's coming off the church. He is praying for a group of believers who are well known for what? Their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for all the saints. This is a healthy church. It's a healthy church made up of believers who are not perfect. It's a healthy church of believers who can grow, who can mature. Doesn't matter how long they've been on the way. It is, that is why he is saying, I want them to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. so that they may know him better. It's a church full of people who really know the Lord So he's praying, I want them to know him better. They have certain vision of what lies ahead, but a lot of it is foggy. A lot of it is uncertain. And I want them to have a clearer understanding. So that's what he's praying. The eyes of the heart being enlightened. Just ask yourself a question. Say, is is this language a bit too extravagant for me to use to describe my spiritual life? Is this language a bit too extravagant for me personally to use about my spiritual life? I wouldn't wouldn't honestly say that recently the eyes of my heart have been opened, the eyes of my heart have been enlightened, The eyes of my heart have been flooded with insight that has made a tremendous, tremendous difference to me. That's what he's he's praying for. That's what we could pray for each other for 2020 vision. Well, now he gets specific. Let's Let's look at the text again verse 18 i pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that so there's there's purpose in this this is intentional it's not just so that i can have an ecstatic beatific experience and then the experience will come it will burst into my being and it will go as quickly as it came and i'll sort of float free in the ether for a little while, and then get back to normal. That's that's not what he's talking about. I pray also that the eyes may be enlightened. In order that what? That you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's it. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now to understand that, you need you need to study hope, and you need to understand it, and you need to study your calling. This is what we do with the Bible. We we can talk about. I want you to have the eyes of your heart enlightened, so that you'll know the hope of your calling. And we say, oh, that's a nice, that's a nice expression, the hope of my calling. But if somebody asks you what exactly is your hope what do you hope for and then ask you and why do you hope for it because you're called what does, what does it mean to be called who called you why did they call you what did they call you to what did they call you from we we need to know these things that that's that's why there's, there's so much growing necessary so much developing necessary and so the apostle paul says I want you to think in terms of the fact that God has called you. Now, to be very quick, I'd I'd love to give you an hour on each each of these ideas here, what hope is, what calling is, but you'll have to settle for 10 seconds of each. Our calling, our calling is first of all an invitation. But it's an invitation extended to us by one in authority. When you have an invitation extended to you by one in authority, it's an invitation that has an element of summons in it. In other words, it's an invitation on the terms of the one in authority. Now think about that. To be called by the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory and the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ from the dead, to be invited by the Father of glory and our Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ from the dead, to have them invite you into something, and then to realize. It is a something, the limits of which, the content of which are determined by the Father of glory and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of him that raised the Christ from the dead. You're getting a little idea of what it means to be called. I'm called. I've been invited. have invited into what? Well, all kinds of things. Study it sometime. Study the word hope. Study the word calling. And this is what you'll discover. The word hope in the New Testament is probably better translated confidence. It's probably even better translated overwhelming confidence. Why? Because of who's calling you. And what are they calling you to? They are calling you, inviting you to be participants in the eternal kingdom. Did you know that this world that we live in is passing away? The, the expression there probably is close to is self-destructing. This world as we know it is self-destructing. Not, not going to be gloomy this morning, not just a gloomy old man who's come here this morning. It, this is what Scripture says. This world is passing away, and in its place there will be new, new worlds, new heavens, new earth. And the nice thing about the new heaven and new earth, well, not the nice thing, one of the nice things about it is that this new creation will be characterized by righteousness. In other words, that means everything will be put right. That's the promise of God. There is coming a day when this world that is self-destructing will come to its end, and it it will come to an end because the God who created it and the God who upholds it is the one who determined when he will pull the plug and terminated. It's all under his sovereign control, but that's the way it's going. In its place, there'll be new heaven and new earth. And the great thing is this building of a new heaven and a new earth started with the resurrection, and it's been going on adding piece by piece by piece by piece to it, and the pieces added to it are people who've been raised into newness of life by Christ himself. Through His death on the cross, the forgiveness of their sins, and the imparting to them of life eternal and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, God is calling a people to Himself. They are being incorporated into the new creation that has been begun, but is far, far, far from completed. And this is what we are called to. Now listen. If you know who has called you, why he has called you, what he has called you to, and you've had a little glimpse of what it is ultimately, finally, eternally, and irrevocably you're being called to, guess what? You might look at what you're going through right now a little differently than you would look at it if you'd, this was right now was all you would got. And that's where a lot of people are. They're looking at what they've got right now as if this is all I've got. It ain't so if you're in Christ. And Paul says, I'd love to have you're, design, you're discerning and your desiring and your deciding to be flooded with this tremendous sense of confidence that is the result of your calling, that the eyes of your heart might be flooded with light, that you might know the hope of your calling. Well, there's so much more to say about that, but that's the first one, and there are two more, and you know there are two more, so now you're getting worried. But I'll speed speed this up a little bit for you. Let's go back to the text. I pray also the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's the first thing. Now, here's the second one. That the eyes of your heart may be flooded with light so that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that you may have the eyes of your heart flooded with light about the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, I I repeated that a little more slowly because the first time we hear it, there's a very real possibility we will mishear it. We are used to hearing, I think, about the gloriously rich inheritance that you and I have in Christ. Right? In other words, we are so incredibly blessed. We, are, we have been blessed, as it says in Ephesians chapter 1, a little earlier than our reading, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ the glorious, rich inheritance we have in Christ. That is not what he says here. He is not talking about our glorious, rich inheritance in Christ. He is saying something that's hard to get your thoughts around. He is talking about having an eye-popping insight into the glorious, rich inheritance that Christ has in that God has given him us. Now when God is busy handing out inheritances, <laughs> when the children of Israel went into the land of the, the promised land, they had to defeat the people who were living in it, and piece by piece, they did that. And then the land was divided up to the tribes. And then the tribes divided it up to the clans. And then the clans divided up to the families. And then the families divided up to their sons. And each division got smaller and smaller, obviously. But the piece of land that was given to them was their inheritance. It was their lot. And God... Has given us our lot, our inheritance. and He's given us Christ, and he's given Christ us. Think about that. And he wants the eyes of our heart to be flooded with light so that we begin to get this idea of, of this, that actually, I am God's gift to Jesus. And you begin to feel sorry for Jesus immediately, don't you? But he doesn't feel sorry about it. He sees in the humblest saint who has been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ and adopted by the Father and a member of the new community, of the new heavens and the new earth. He sees in every person that they are a significant person. And that's a word, the key word. A significant person. A person of intentionality in this grand scheme. This grand cosmic eternal universal scheme that God is busy working on, his eternal purposes. Is that how you look at yourself? You know, I talked about confidence a few minutes ago. I am amazed at the lack of confidence that I hear so many people who are believers expressing. We should be the most confident, peaceful on the face of God's green earth. Not because we are perennial optimists, but because we are biblically informed and biblical Bible believing and embracing and living in the good of believers. This is what it says. It says, if you have Come to a point where you want the Spirit of God to take the Word of God and reveal it to your understanding, so that, to use his term, the eyes of your heart are enlightened with light. The net result will be that you will have this tremendous sense of the hope of your calling, and the net result will be your vision will incorporate a sense of confidence. Not self-confidence. Confidence that God is whispering to you, I've got it. I've got it. I wrote a book recently. I haven't read it, but I wrote it recently. It's called He's Still on the Throne. Don't forget it. But not only that. If we then begin to know something about the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints, our vision will incorporate a sense of significance. It's not just little old me. It is me who in the economy of God has a role of universal significance to fulfill right here and now. Vision for 2020. And then the third thing, there's a lot more to say on that one, but I'm I'm going to demonstrate great discipline and keep going. And this will take a couple of minutes. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That's the first one. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, that's the second one and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, what I've been talking about this morning, if you're still, if you're still with me, you might be adding all this up and you're saying, you know, this is, this, this is kind of over the top. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to live here in North Prairie, I'm happy to be a member of Kettle Moraine Community Church. I'm glad we've got this nice young pastor and his wife and family who come into our midst. I think things are going along very nicely here. It's a nice community. We're good, law-abiding citizens. Well, we don't know about the political situation, but we won't go there. We'll put it on one side just for a few minutes. And uh, and this is where this is where where I am. Go to the prayer meeting. Go to the ladies' meeting. And we 're just carrying on. it, it sounds it sound like that's in one, one, one sphere, and now we are talking about this this 2020 vision that is going to give us a sense of confidence because of eternal calling is going to have a tremendous give us a sense of significance because we are part of his God's glorious gift to Jesus. but, but I feel so inadequate. I don't know where to start. It just sounds like a lot of theory, and uh, it's kind of interesting. And I'll read it again and see where he got it from, and see how much was his imagination, how much is what the Bible actually says. I'll do that. I hope you will do that. But don't don't leave it there, because it's not a case of saying, well, that that's not going to happen. I, I can't live like that. What he now goes on to say is this. The third thing he wants us to have the eye-opening insights into is his incomparable great power for those who are believers. That's what it says. His incomparably great power for those who are believers. Are you a believer? Of course. Everybody's a believer, it's what we believe that matters. So do you, uh, do you believe you've been called? And do you believe that you're hip out of his inheritance? Well, let me ask a question. Do you believe that God gives to you the incomparably great power that is necessary for you to be who he wants you to be, because that's what he's saying. And if we are, <laughs> and this, then now what happens in this prayer? I'm not. I'm not going there because it's 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 fabulous, and it gets a little bit off 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 message here. That's great encouragement to me. It happens to me all the time. But the Apostle Paul got off message at times. He got so excited giving an illustration of the incomparable great power that's available to us. He starts illustrating it from Christ and he finishes it up with a fabulous piece of Christology that we can't go there at all because we don't want to miss the point here. The point here is this. God never calls without equipping. And that's what he's talking about here. And the net result will be if we come to grips with what he's talking about here, the eyes of our heart will be enlightened so that we will face 2020 with a vision of confidence. And the vision of significance. And here's the third one. And the vision of competence because of his exceeding great power available to us. Thank you for listening. Sorry I went on so long, but if you knew how much I've left out, you would stand in line to hug me. Of the, uh, God bless you and thank you.